But we're in our series, uh, 40 Days of Prayer, and what's it, uh, working through this and, uh, and um, talking through what prayer is. But I, I hope that we're not just learning about prayer. I'm hoping here that you are uh, making it a part of your life. I, I hope that you're, the, you're involved, you're engaged in, in conversation, communication with God. I, I hope that you're doing that. I hope that you're making a practice. And, um, and there may be some here today, um, you struggle with how to pray. We've been kind of talking about why pray and why we should pray. And you're like, okay, I get that. I just don't know what I'm doing when I pray. And so I'm hoping that today and, and then next week as well, the next two weeks, that we'll get some semantics. We'll, we'll get some practicality on, on how to and how to pray. And, uh, and so I want to kind of clear up some, you know, again, some frustrations that we have, some thoughts that we have regarding prayer. You know, most of the time, we pray when we need something or when we're in trouble. That's when we pray. Um, most of us, we get frustrated when we pray, and God doesn't do what we ask him to do when we pray. And I've seen many people quit praying because they just don't get what prayer is. And they don't see God answering the prayers that they're praying for. In fact, in week number two, we talk about why God sometimes doesn't answer prayers the way we hope God to answer prayers. And so that's in week number two. If you missed it, I hope you catch up and, and watch that message about why God doesn't always answer our prayers. Most of us, we're not interested in pursuing God because we feel that, you know, it does not do what you think it should do. We don't pursue. We, we, we try to do it. And, and unless there's a real emergency, you just kind of hold them off. You know, you don't want to be a bother. You don't want to bother God and just kind of go through life without him unless you really need him. Most of the time, we pray just to kind of check off our to-do list. You know, it's something that we've allotted five minutes, maybe a two minutes, you know, before you go to work or in the big, you know, when you wake up. And uh, when we say amen, that's it. We don't talk to God anymore until the next day, and, and, and that's what we do with prayer. And when we do pray, many times we say, Lord, this is what I need. Please do this. Please fix this. And I appreciate it if you can do this for me. And then that's all. That's all we do with it. And if he answers it, great. If he doesn't answer it, it's all bad. And so we're going to talk about prayer and try to deal with some of the frustration. Now, Billy Graham, who passed away last year, Billy Graham was asked one time, now what was the one thing that he wished he could have done differently with his life? If he could do, have a redo, a do-over, what could he do differently? And Billy Graham, you know, arguably the greatest American Christian that we've known in modern time, he said, I wish I could have prayed more. I wish I could have prayed more. Prayer. We want to pray more, but we struggle with how to pray. Now, in our first, first week of this message series, I threw up a definition of prayer. 
And that definition of prayer, if you want to look at your notes and your handout notes, you'll see that prayer is communication with God. And that was the most basic definition of prayer. Of course, the key word in this definition is the word communication. That's why I made you write it in your fill-in-the-blank. Communication. And the more I think about this definition, the more that I think communication sounds so business-like. Brisk. You know, it, it sounds so quick. Now, let me just say this. Communication, conversation, it's absolutely a part of prayer. And most of the time, we are speaking or we're listening to God as he speaks to us. But there is, when we look at prayer, there's so much more to prayer than words being spoken. Now, I hate to admit this, but I think I'm like, I'm, I think I'm like a lot of you guys here. You know, talking is one thing, and I'm sure I don't do enough of it, but listening is a whole other thing. Listening. It's a struggle. And most of us, we usually pray like this. You know, dear God, here's my stuff. You know, thank you for being all great and, and all of that. And, and God, I, you know, here's my list. Here's my stuff that I need. And we go through the list that we need. And, and, then, and then we stay in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, and because we heard somewhere down along the line of our life that if we stay in Jesus' name, that it kind of throws an extra kick to our prayers. And so we come down to the end of our prayers and we say, in Jesus' name. And if it's a really important thing, we'll say, in Jesus' name. Right? And if it's a really, really big thing, we might get it out there even bigger. And we might say, I'm asking you, Lord, in the name of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, God Almighty. And we just hope that that just might do it that that might be the extra kick that we need. And then we say those magic words, amen. And then we're done. We walk away, and we're finished. And my question is for you, yeah, you talk to God, but did God talk to you? Did you listen to him? See, prayer is a conversation between two people. Two people, just like you have a conversation with, with people in this room. It's a conversation between you and the other person. You talk, and then you listen. You listen, and then you respond. You talk. Conversation. But I want to build on this definition of this idea of communication, which is a good definition. I'm not saying that this is the definition we should not, that we shouldn't know. It's an important definition. It's the most basic definition. But I want to take it today a step further. And I want to build on that definition. And if you look, I got definition number two, that prayer is constant communion with God. Constant communion with God. 
It's interesting that this, in the 40 days of devotions, this was a devotion of you read this last week. And uh, one of the devotions uh, talks about this idea that prayer is a constant communion with God. And you say, well, Scott, how does that work? Now, what does that look like? Constant communion. Now, I had communication. That was easy. No prayer, conversation with God, communication with God. Now you're just kind of taking it to another level. Constant communion. What does that mean? Let me share this thought with you. Have you ever been in a relationship where you are so close in that relationship that you could communicate without even talking? Most of you that are married, you might understand what I mean. You become so close with that person that sometimes you knew what that person was thinking before he or she even says it, right? You become so close with that person that you can actually have a good time driving down the road, driving down the road without saying a word. You can just enjoy the presence of that other person. And that's when you know you're in a deep relationship. Now, if you're single and you go on a first date and you think that you can have a date without talking, that's bad. All right? That's a terrible idea, okay? You've got to talk in a first date. Uh, you've got you to have a conversation. You know, guys, you know, you've got to have a list of things to talk about. You know, I remember I had a date. It was a blind date. Someone set me up with a blind date and, uh, back in college. And uh, I, I, was, I was terrified. I didn't know what I was walking into. The only time I have ever been on a blind date. All right? And I sat down and with this person. We went on a date, and, and, uh, and she, she didn't know how to talk. And I'm, I, you know, you've got a deaf guy, you know, and you've got a, a woman that didn't want to talk, and it was a tough conversation. I would throw out questions for her, and, and she would say, ha uh-huh. I said, this isn't going well, is it? It's a uh-huh. I said, maybe we should never do this again, uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it was terrifying, weird. You know, it's weird when it gets quiet. But the better you get to know a person, the better it is when it is quiet and you can just hang out with that person. The farther the relationship, the deeper the relationship, the more communion will happen. Communion is more than, hey, we said a hundred words together. Wow, that's great. No, no. Communion, communion is experiencing life together. Communion is constant awareness of the other person. You're thinking about each other, you're talking about each other, it's conversation, it's not conversation, it's hanging out. And, and that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is conversation. Sometimes prayer is just being aware of the presence of God. Now prayer is not a seven-minute, you know, prayer list, and that's it. Now, prayer is not something we do before we go to work. Prayer is constant, constant 
communion with God. Now, when I was growing up, there were, just, there were several phrases in the Bible that just kind of tripped me up. You know, I was just confused by it. And one of those phrases that I want to talk about today is that kind of just confused me was First Thessalonians 5, verse 17. And this was the way I saw it back when I was a kid. I learned this in the, in the King James language. Um, and this is the way I thought. It said, pray without season. Pray without season. And I had to ask somebody. I said, I said what does that mean? To pray without season. What does the word season mean? I, I didn't understand in my little mind, you know, what this first means. And somebody said, what this first means, you never stop praying. You never stop praying. And I'm just thinking, man, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I'm thinking, how do the people walk along in the hallway or on the sidewalk with their eyes open while you're trying to pray at the same time? How do you drive and pray at the same time? How do you even sleep at night if you're supposed to, not, if you're supposed to be praying 24-7? I mean, I've got very, very confused about this. I'm thinking, how in the world on planet Earth can we pray 24-7? I mean, don't you have a job? Don't you have to work? Don't you have to do things, a relationship? And what is going on? What is this phrase all about? And what God had in mind for you and for me is that we will move to the point in our life where we will constantly, constantly communing being aware of his presence. It's hanging out with God. It's focusing on the things of God. It's walking in life and having a God mindset everywhere you go. Constant communion. Now, when you, remember when you first learned how to drive a car? Some of you remember. <laughs> You know, remember those days, you know, you went to driving training school? You know, and the first thing they teach you, you know, they give you a checklist. All right? And they give you a checklist, and you get in the car, and say, okay, the first thing you should do when you get in the car is, you know, is uh, lock the doors. It's okay, lock doors, lock doors. Make sure. Now, back then, we didn't have the power lock, right? We had to actually reach to the four, four sides or the four corners of the car and lock all the doors. Uh, and they teach you, lock the doors. It's okay, check off, lock doors. Number two, I adjust the seats. Adjust, oh, okay, adjust the seats. Where's that at? Oh, okay, it's down here or, you know, on the side. We didn't have the motorized version. We had to do it on our own, okay? We adjust our seat. Then they say, okay, put your seatbelt on. Okay, seatbelt on. You know, what's next? You know, make sure everybody else got your seatbelt on. Okay, track, track, track. I mean, you're doing all this, right? You're going through the, they said, now what? Mirrors. Adjust your mirrors. Right, you got your mirrors, side mirrors. Right, you, you tell the person over here, roll down the window and uh, move, the, move the side mirror in just a little bit. Oh, 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 too far, too far, back off. Remember that? All right, you didn't have the old, you know, didn't have all that. You know, some of you foiled. All right, we can do everything right, you know, without saying anything to anybody. All right, and so, um, and so you know, we, we, we got mirrors, you know, and then, and then the driver instructions, okay, uh, the car. 
you know, before I do that, I wipe sweat off my palms, okay? I mean, I'm wiping sweaty palms. I, I'm, I'm nervous now, right? I got, I got five things done. We haven't got the car. She said, start the car. I start the car. I go too far, go too long. You know, he said, whoa, 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 back it off. And then I start the car, and man, it's the coolest thing ever, right? You know, you feel like, man, I'm about to start the car. And he said, okay, let's back up, and we're going to practice parking. All right, that's all we do for the first day. We practice just in the parking lot, parking. And, and, and then we, we start going more advanced. We drive further than 15 feet. You know, he said, get out of the, let's go on the road. You know, and you start driving on the road, and he, he, he's telling you all the checklists. He's going through all of this, and you're thinking, you know, all the things you have to do. It's, and I remember when he told me, you know, we, we were at the Avondale School District. That was my uh, driving training. He said, all right, let's hit M59. I was like, whoa, man, I'm ready for M59? You know, oh, yeah, let's hit it. And I remember getting on M59 for the very first time. I mean, I was nervous. And nervous, and I got two people in a back seat. They're nervous for me. We're nervous for everybody. You know, this is an experience. We finally get back, and and uh, you know, checklist. Okay, put the car back in gear. <laughs> you know, you want to get out of the car, you got to unbuckle. Oh yeah, yeah, unbuckle. You know, and and all that stuff, right? Checklist. And at first, everything's like checkpoints. But now, eventually. You get to the point in your life where you'll be walking out of here on your cell phone, talking. You get behind the wheel of your car. You pull out of the parking lot. You're still talking on your phone. You're not thinking, oh, wait a minute. Door's locked. Oh, seat ejected. You're not thinking, i got to put the belt on. I've got to eject the mirror. No, you're just driving, and everything else, everything else is a subconscious action, what you're thinking, what you're doing, you're doing all of this, and driving is like second nature, and that's exactly what Jesus is trying to teach his followers on how to walk with God. It's not that God becomes so irrelevant, like a mundane task, like driving, but God should be so second nature to us that throughout the day that everything we do, every conversation we have, whether we're in the office, whether we're in the car, whether we're at school, whether we're working out, our mind is thinking about God, communing with God, talking to God. You might, might have a conversation with God, focusing on God all the time. Sometimes we talk. Sometimes we just enjoy each other's presence. Now, before I dive into Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5, before we do that, I want to break down some ideas here, some practicality. You know, people ask me, so Scott, what does that look like for you, your prayer life? You know, for me, this is something I'm still trying to have a constant awareness of who God is. I'm still trying to focus. I'm still trying to train my mind. It's not something you're going to get overnight. But I'm still seeking him. You know, and, and, and every hour, I try to at the top of every hour. You know, I don't always get there, by the way. But at the top of every hour, I'll take five minutes. You know, three to five minutes, 
and I'll call them popcorn prayers. Well, I have a conversation and say, hey, God, you know, there's a need in my heart that you should put on my heart. And sometimes this might happen in between the hours. But I'm constantly thinking about what God might be revealing to me. There's a beginning time of my day and there's an ending time of my day. All right? And so, you know, I take usually 15, 20 minutes in the beginning, 15, 20 minutes at the end. But throughout the day, I'm peppered with little prayer thought, prayer times. Now, that's my, I call this a prayer rhythm. That's my prayer rhythm. Here's what I've learned. You can ask five different people now how they pray throughout the day, and you're going to get different answers. And there's nowhere in the scripture that says this is how you have to roll in your time frame. But I do believe that there is a constant awareness of who God is, and when we're in tune with him, that he'll start bringing to light the things that you need to pray for throughout the day. Now, here's the things I pray for. I've got a, an acrostic on your handout. And um, we're going to kind of develop this a little bit more, but it's just a acrostic here that really helped me out. It's the acrostic for the word act. Okay? And, and this is what I use. And, you know, my prayer, I might focus on one of these points in the morning, I might focus on another point at the end of my day. I might, I might focus on some stuff throughout the day on the other point. All right, sometimes I don't accomplish all four of these things in one sit-down time of prayer. All right? And so let me give you four things, and then we're going to see how these play out. Number, letter A, adoration. Adoration. I take time to worship God. I take time to worship Him. You know, you can worship God in several different ways. You can worship God. You know, this morning in my prayer time, I went through the names of God. That's what I did this morning. I thought about Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jappa. You know, I thought of all these things, all right, about who God was, that he's my provider, he's my shelter, he's my shield. I, I thought about Jehovah Yahweh. You know, at the beginning, I am that I am, that he is my everything. And I just started thinking about who God is. That's what I did. You know, we did about 20 minutes, right at 1030, a corporate time of prayer through worship. You didn't realize you were praying. But you were worshiping and adoring who God was. We were thinking about who he is. We were thinking about freedom in Christ. We were thinking about that we are a child of God, that we have reckless love. You know, you can worship by, you know, taking time to listen to the worship songs. Hey, we're talking about constant communion with God. And I can't find better ways to listen, you know, to Christian music that let me focus on who God is and worshiping Him through songs. That's what the book of Psalm is. It's, it's, it's it's psalms of prayer, of worship. Worshiping who he is. Worshiping God. That's how David prayed in worship. Adoration. There should be times in your prayer during the day where you just worship who he is. You might, you might have woke up this morning and you, say, you might give a shout out to God and God, thank you for a good night's sleep. And I thank you for the beautiful snow that we see on the, on, the, on the ground. Thank you. 
It's so beautiful. I mean, how many of you prayed that prayer this morning? Nobody, okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah, man, the sunset, the sunrise. Man, those are opportunities for to make God good, good universe. It's on display. You're awesome and majestic. Now, thank you for who you are. Adoration. Let us see the word confession. Confession. The Bible says that you are your own high priest to God. We are priesthood. You don't have to go to a priest for confession. You can go to God himself and confess. There are times in the morning after I worship him, I do what Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah did. You know, he saw God in the temple. He saw him high and lifted up. In Isaiah chapter 6, he said, man, you are incredible. And then he realized, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he started going through a confession. Started asking God for, for purity in his life. And, and, and for confession of sin that he had committed. There should be a time of confession in your prayer. Letter, letter T, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We give thanks to God. We've been blessed in so many different ways. We thank Him for everything. We thank Him. That's throughout the day. Hey, when you pray at dinner, lunch, breakfast, thank you, God, for the food that you provided. When you get a paycheck, what an awesome opportunity to say, God, thank you for blessing me with a paycheck. May I use what you've given me for your glory. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. When, you, when the grandkids come over, say thank you, God, for healthy grandkids. Thank you for family. Thank you for children. Thank you. Thanking God for life and for health. Let us ask supplications. Supplications. That's your need. That's your, you know, asking God for your needs. Say, God, here's, here's what I'm praying for. You know, every week I get a prayer list from our church, and I'm praying for people in our church every week, every day, praying. through. And, you know, when I go through my list, it takes a while. It takes a while. My list is growing. So I, t- I go through my list. All right? And so usually in the afternoon, Usually in the afternoon, I get my list, you know, and usually I get it updated from the Sunday before, usually in the afternoon, and then, and then I just make it a habit. It's okay. It may take me 20 minutes. It might take me 30 minutes. You know, and I start praying through the list of needs that is in front of me. I pray for the personal needs. I pray for our church needs. I pray for our community. I pray for our country. You know, we pray for these things. And supplication. And so, act. And I don't get hung up just on one letter. I try to find balance between A, C, T, F throughout my day. Throughout my day. That's my prayer rhythm. And, uh, and I hope that helps you. This is just one word. This helped me to remember, you know, in the acrostic form. And, uh, and I hope that can help you. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5, as we wrap this up here in the next few minutes. 
just a part of Jesus' sermon on the mount, talked about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. Now, let me pause here for a minute. When I was in youth group, you know, I remember we prayed in circles. There will be eight or, you know, six to eight of us in a circle. And, uh, and I usually would be the last one in line to pray. We're going to go around the circle. And I was usually the last one in line. And while everyone else is praying, I'm working on my prayer. I'm working on my prayer. I'm wondering what I'm going to say. Why? Because I wanted to have a pretty good prayer. I wanted to have a prayer that was not born. And then, while I'm thinking about my prayer, the number two guy, he prayed my prayer. I said, crud. He said what I was going to say. He took, he took my prayer. And now it's my turn. I've got to think of a whole different prayer now, thanks to number two. Now, I learned a very quick lesson here that the next time we pray in a circle, that I would be number one. And I would pray for everything. I would make it the best prayer. And I would put everybody out there to pray after me in the worst spot imaginable. Jesus says, if you're taking note, that there is a tendency in us to impress people by the way we pray. That we've got to use fancy words. We've got to get, we've got to get technical. Uh, Jesus says, you know, why don't you just be normal like you talk to a normal human being? Just talk to me like you would talk to someone else. There's a tendency in all of us to impress. And what happens when we try to impress? Look at the rest of verse 5. He said, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. You see, when you try to impress people with your prayers, it's all you're going to get, so congratulations. That's it. Verse number six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, this verse is not implying that we should not pray in public. But what are you saying? That we should find a place of quiet, solitude. You know, one of the worst places for me to pray, one of the worst places for me to pray is in my office in front of my computer. Because I get, it's very easy for me to get halfway through my prayer and, uh, oh, man, I got to check on that email. Oh, yeah, I got to check on what's going on in Facebook world. Oh, yeah, oh. And, and sometimes I have a good rationale. It's, oh, man, I got to go on Facebook to see, you know, how so-and-so is right now so I can pray and get on there. And then before you know it, I forgot why I was looking at Facebook in the first place. And so try to find a place that's separate, if you can, if you can work it out. Now, find a place where you can pray. That's where you can know him. Verse number seven. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. By the way, the word babbling, the Greek word for babbling is uh, the word bato dageo. Bato dageo. 
And finally, the Greek word paid homage to a king named Battus. Battus, a king, uh, way back in the days, and, and it paid homage, the Greek word paid homage to the king that was known for always being repetitive. He was annoying people with his overly repetitive talk. And they said, don't be like this guy, Baptist. You know, don't be like him. You got to love the Greek language sometimes. Don't be, don't keep on babbling like pagan. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. So is it first saying that long prayer is bad? No, not saying that. But what it is saying is that God does not use a word meter. He's not counting off how many words you say. He's not saying, okay, the more you pray, the more I, I'm going to answer. That's not how God works. Jesus is saying here that God does not answer our prayers based on how long we pray or how loud we pray. He doesn't answer our prayers based on that. And if you think, well, you know, I prayed for an hour. I'm pretty sure God's going to guarantee an answer to my prayer. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. Verse number eight. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, this is an incredible contradiction to prayer right here. Now, some of you are probably thinking, so if he knows what we need before I even ask, then why pray? Why am I praying? I mean, it'll take a lot of pressure off for sure, right? So why pray? Because God wants to draw close to you more than anything else in the world. He wants that relationship. He wants you to be aware of his presence. We don't pray so that we can get stuff from God. That's not why we pray. We pray because we were made for God and he was made for you. We pray for constant communion and awareness with who he is. Now, next week, we're going to dive into this next segment of this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. I'm sorry, verse number um, 9 to 13. Now, I want you to read this prayer this week. It's the Lord's Prayer. And by the way, you're going to see ACTS built into the Lord's Prayer. You know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplications. You're going to see all that built into the Lord's Prayer. Um, but the three thoughts that I want to give you, and I'm going to build on this some more next week. Three key thoughts regarding prayer, real quick. Number one, to know him and to understand his ways. That's why we pray. To know him, understand his ways. Number two, to catch his heartbeat and participate in his agenda, not yours. I want to be in on what God is doing today. I want to be in on his plan. I want to be in on his agenda. It's not coming to God and saying, God, here, work on our agenda. Work on my plan. No, it's us wanting to be on his game plan. Number three, to access his kingdom power and provision for all of life. To access his kingdom power and provision for all of life. There's a place in prayer for us to say, Lord, this is what I need. But prayer doesn't begin that way. It starts with, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know what your heart is beating for. 
And then we say, Lord, I want to lay down before you my knees. Because I want your kingdom power to touch down in all areas of my life. So that's prayer. That's week, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at these three key thoughts. And this week, I want you to read it. I want you to read the Lord's Prayer. I want you to study it this week. During your prayer time. Man, this is a great passage of Scripture to open up. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. I want you to think about ACTS. I want you to think about these three key thoughts, and you'll see all three here. Being aware of God's presence. In just a few minutes, we're going to pray. We're going to have our prayer time. For the 40 days of prayer, we've been having weekly prayer time up front. I'm going to challenge you this morning. Say, God, I want to seek you. Make us look for you. That's our prayer prompt this week.